0: and dummy half it's with the halfback williams
1: williams goes himself comes out the other side gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from the
0: puts a kick out wide looking for shander earl, and earl is in again <laughs> <laughs> stop it It's starting to hurt rugby league
1: rugby Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Supercoach Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Tim Williams. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, we are two weeks away from NRL returning to our TV screens. It is absolutely exceptional stuff. I am that G'd up for it,
0: but probably not as G'd up as the Supercoach Spy because he lives and breathes rugby league. Spy, how are we, mate? mate as you said absolutely buzzing but i'm just trying to hold my excitement for another week so If i get too excited this early it's going to be a long two weeks or so so come this week this time next week i'll be absolutely primed to go and then the week after i don't even i don't even know how to think about it i'll probably have to take a couple of days off work just to contain the excitement and go to the beach get out or something but bring it on mate
1: that's it, mate. It's been a long wait. We didn't see it coming, obviously, like anything. But we're almost there, so we can get through another two weeks. Uh, plenty to get through tonight. Uh, we've been doing our club by club analyses, analysis over the last six or so weeks uh, on different episodes. Four clubs more to get through, which is our last four. We've got the Broncos, the Rabbitohs, the Panthers, and the Sharks to come. Uh, which there's a lot to get through. There there's a lot of SuperCoach relevant players. Uh, We'll also have a chat about the the new system that's been put in place, uh, maintaining all the trades for the season and how the the guys over at Supercoach HQ have sorted things out. So we'll get through that. Stacks of stuff. We've had heaps of content throughout the season break. I've been doing a squad analysis um, on every team in the competition. I'm about 11 or 12 uh, of the 16 clubs through. So hopefully they can help with your round three team coming up in the next couple of weeks now that we can implement our new five trades. Um, So go and jump in and have a look at that. Uh, I'm starting to lock some content again from the website, scplaybook.com.au, for subscribers only. So if you are interested in that for the rest of the year, it's $30 for the NRL season, $40 for the NRL and Big Bash at the end of the year as well. Uh, If you have any feedback for us, jump on our socials at Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at scplaybook1. Uh, Let us know what we're doing wrong there because we need to know. I'm sure there's plenty. Let's get straight into it now, Spy. The new season has been structured. There has been no trades lost. You've maintained the 37 that we were given at the start of the year. The super buy week that was set out to be in the middle of the origin weeks, origin period of five trades, has been brought through to round three, which is the resuming round, obviously. Um, Basically, it works out that we've got just under two trades every single week for the entire season, which is very different to what we're accustomed to particularly considering there's no origin in the middle of the year this year. It's obviously on to the end of the season.
0: Mate, what are your your initial thoughts on it all? It's an interesting one. Initially, I wasn't super stoked about things. I thought, look, five trades to come back, that's going to give people the opportunity to fix up mistakes they've made or and maybe take away an advantage from people that nailed their side early. But, look, they, they sort of had to do it to a degree, I guess. There was a lot of there's a lot has changed in the time and no one planned for it. So I can understand why they did it. Um, Probably the biggest one for me was the amount of trades for the year. The fact we can basically trade for almost, almost the whole season is it's very different and I didn't like it early, but, now that I think about it a little bit more, and we'll get further into it as we go on, there's a few different types of tactics we might be able to use, and for me, the big bonus is I love making a trade. I don't care what fantasy sport it is. It's always exciting, so there's always upside to this, and at the end of the day, mate, footy's back, so I'm not going to be too picky. It's We're back. Trades are on, so let's get into it and have some fun.
1: Yeah, nice, mate. I... Uh I was a bit skeptical of the way they've done. I, I I do think there's too many trades available because I think it takes a lot of the tactics away from it in in saving trades now that as I said we can effectively use two every week from now on. Um, but I'm I'm it is how I thought they'd go about it. I thought they'd cut a few of them, but. Um, the fact that you know that I've lost so many readers over this period they'll want to keep people in the game and trading on the website as much as possible which I understand and and as you said it'll be a one-off event so Mm -hmm. it makes for an exciting season different tactics will come into play and it'll be fun to experiment and as you said we get to trade every week so that is outstanding stuff Uh, so yeah some good stuff going on five trades to use in round Mm -hmm. one importantly Will you be using all five of yours straight away or will you be – I mean, you don't really need to save them, so it'd be silly not to, I suppose.
0: Mate, I'm really, really big on this. I've been having a big think about it since the new rules came in. I think you absolutely have to use your five trades. As we've discussed already, there's no there's no point saving them really. If you had to save trades, then this, this might be the week to do it, but you don't. So some of the major advantages you can get for mine is – option a is to improve weaker positions if there's guys in your side that you're not real happy with and you can you can move on for guys that have started well whatever it may be the other one though if you feel like your side's in a pretty good spot and you don't really need to trade then how about you just look into making money i mean you've got guys like emre gula toby rudolph there's a few other guys in the halves like dylan brown and Drinkwater. a couple of options in mind just that stand out people that own cleary he's out for two weeks right normally you just hold for two weeks and add. Absolute, absolute no brainer, but hey, with all these trades, why don't you trade down to say a Dylan Brown or a Scotty Drinkwater? They'll make a heap of cash in two weeks, be a good playing option in your side as well. And then you can just go straight back to Cleary in a couple of weeks' time with a bunch of cash. Or one that I'm looking at doing is someone like Zane Musgrove, who I was pretty happy to hold for a while bit of a slow burning forward i think he's going to improve as he goes on but what i'll do now is just trade him to someone like Guller or rudolph and make a quick hundred grand in one or two weeks and then flip them for someone else moving forward so with the trades are there you might as well use it and looking at the centers as well there's a couple of options there for quick cash mate i think you just have to use your trades it's silly to hold them there's no point saving them so either improve your squad or bring in money makers and go for gold from there
1: yeah, that's it. And I mean, you look at all the past champions that have won the game over the years and with more limited trades, they're running out with four, five, six weeks to go a lot of the time. Um, if you, I haven't done the exact maths, but if you use all your trades every week from now on, you'll run out with sort of three or four rounds to go and that's having just burnt through everything. So it's like – and that's also not um, planning around Origin and whatnot. So it'll be interesting. And you're on the money with the, the quick cash grabs, which are – Something I've never been a massive fan of, and and Emre Gula is the perfect example of that this year. But it's just helter skelter, rapid trading, and accumulate points as quick as you can this year. There's there's no building towards having a strong squad after at the for the first bye week and the second bye week round sixteen, whatever that was going to be. It's just get those guns in your team as quick as you can. So yeah, and Musgrove was a good example as well because. You know, he looked like a good prospect as a slow-burning cow, but we don't have time for that this year. So, you know, someone like Emre Guler looks like a great option for round one. Um, And, mate, you have a few thoughts on the depth of squads this
0: year, probably not as important (laughs) as past years? Yeah, so that sort of comes back to making quick money and getting your side as quick as Mm -hmm. possible. Um, I think you mentioned that it might be three or four weeks Um, to go that you might run out of trades. You might even find it might be even closer to the end of the year. It's just – you can just really hook into trades all year long. So one of my theories is that generally each year you sort of build your squad and then after the buys you target a pretty good squad of players. Maybe it's 20 real guns in your side just to cover – you need sort of cover in each position to end the year because generally those up the top do tend to run out of trades because you have a crack pretty hard pretty early. And then you need that cover to end the season. But if you think about it this year, if one of your your guns goes down with three or four weeks left, then you're going to have trades in the bank this year. So there's no need to have coverage on your bench as as critically as last year. So you can afford to potentially run a top 17 or maybe 18-man gun lineup, and the rest of them can be sort of cheapies and whatnot, because if one of them goes down you can just use your trades that week to, to bring in someone else, whereas in previous seasons you couldn't afford to do that because trades were so vital. So it's one of those things on the back of that you don't need as much money because you, you don't have to buy as, as many guns, as simple as that. So money-making becomes, in that sense, less important in terms of how big your bank is going to be, but it becomes probably more important in how quickly you can make that money. So I guess what I'm saying overall is you want to – Top gun squad of maybe 18 players as opposed to 20 or 21 in previous years. That's four less guns in your team. That's far less cash you need. What are your thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, no, all will agree. It. It's a great shout. And I mean, the, the way I see it, the bridge between overall and head to head players, uh, strategic players, has just, it, it's the gap has bridged so far, so close this year, should I say? I'm getting my words stuffed up there. Um, because, I mean, in past years, you're playing so differently. So, come that first major bye week, round 12, whatever it is, an overall player's team will be far inferior to a head to head player. So, we're pretty close to locking in their 17 and getting it as strong as possible by then. So, it's pretty much just one big head to head season. And teams are going to be extremely similar in four, five, six, seven weeks' time. I do think what we've seen in the opening rounds is that it'll be one of the open Supercoach seasons we've ever seen, particularly with a lack of guns in the centre wing, especially with Luttrell struggling early on. That'll throw it open a little bit. But teams are going to be really similar. So pods are going to be more important than ever, and nailing your captains are going to be as important Mm -hmm. as ever. And I know that's an easy thing to say and quite obvious, but because there's going to be such little difference between teams, in my opinion, you just have to nail these pods um, you know, you can't make up ground over the origin period if you're an overall player. So it's really – these guys who are head-to-head players and uh, aren't worried about where they finish overall in the past, all of a sudden they're a chance at the money and finishing in that top 100 or top 1,000 because, as I said, it's a head-to-head go now. It's not overall. So it'll be interesting to see how it <laughs> turns out anyway. Um, and Matt, you've you you see you've seen a bit of an opportunity in the outside backs. So I know I've spoken to you a little bit about it already – um, in terms of flipping players and maybe looking at, at the runs of teams, easy, hard, however that might be?
0: Yeah, so one of the theories I've been contemplating as the season goes on from here from here on in is basically, if you go back to previous seasons, you'll have your, your four or five gun centres locked in and you can't really afford to trade them out unless there's an injury or someone's really struggling due to the fact that you do run out of trades. However, again, back to the fact that we've got so many trades this year, I'm sort of having a look as the season goes on. You might be able to lock in a side that you like early on. So I'll have my four four or five gun centers for the first few weeks, whatever it may be. And then as the season goes on, you may be able to flip guys in and out a little bit as the season goes. For example, if you've got a really good center, a good try scoring center, and then he's got two back-to-back weeks against, say, Melbourne and then the Roosters, for example, you might trade him for two weeks to a guy that plays against someone like the Titans and the Dragons who's far more likely to score a bunch of tries and then a couple of weeks later you can bring him back into your side so it's kind of like targeting matchups a little bit you don't have to ride out the games against Melbourne and Roosters as much as previous seasons so it's it's not right now it's not a tactic I'm going to do straight away but as the season goes on we'll, we'll get an idea of the sides that are leaking points and we can really make it run at guys that could have a big couple of weeks and get them inside All right,
1: good chat there mate Moving on to our analysis of each club, and we'll start with the Brisbane Broncos, who are two and two. They are arguably the most supercoach relevant side in the competition at the moment. They have been hit hard over the break, for better or worse, in actual NRL terms, but in supercoach terms, they've been hit hard over this postponed season because they've got Matty Lodge, who's expected to be fit for round three. He's back from a partial ACL tear, uh, a lot earlier than expected, even with the break. David Fafida, has avoided a long layoff from his off – well, not off-season, post, postponed season surgery. He's expected to miss two to three weeks, but, again, that's all unsure, which is just – it's just chaos for guys like um, Pat Carrigan, Tom Flegler. I mean, Alex Glenn's back from injury. Um, Joe Offen-Gowey's back from a two-game suspension. TPJ's still got three more games out, but it is just madness in that Brisbane Broncos pack this year – the way I see it probably starting on resumption is that Matt Lodge will be at prop uh, alongside Payne Haas. In the back row, I'm thinking Alex Glenn comes in for Fafida. Jamil Hopawade, who's now an interesting cheapie prospect, prospect at base price, he'll be on the other edge. Pat Carrigan, they just love him at Red Hill, so I think he stays at lock. Offhand Gale, he probably comes off the bench. Tom Flegler will be off the bench. Um, You know, they've got TPJ coming back. for feeder won't be far off. Mate, what are your thoughts on the Brisbane Broncos, their forward
0: back? It's a massive wait and save for team lists. Um, I've got a big decision in relation to Tommy Flago. I'd been targeting him to bring him in for his price rises, but now I'm just not sure if it's going to be worth doing. So do I opt for someone else that's going to make me some cash? Um, as you mentioned, Hopper Whitey could be a fantastic option. Um, to be honest, though, Matt, I'm going to wait for team lists and then really make a call, but Hopper Whitey could be huge value. Um, but it's there's so much guesswork, isn't there? It's such a deep pack. Um, the two guys that are, that are out are both edge players, and it's just, as you said, it's chaos. So I don't want to guess too much because I'll just end up disappointed. Yeah,
1: fair shout. and. I mean, the only thing I, I could say is that Matty Lodge is a big minute forward. I think he was playing onwards of 60-plus minutes a game last year. Coming out from a, a partial ACL tear, you can't imagine him playing two bigger minutes, at least not for the first month, while they're easing back, especially because i have got the depth in the pack. The Broncos are two from two. They don't need to panic with getting Lodge big minutes, although they will come. Um, uh, yeah, Tommy Flegger was a guy I'd locked in on return, but now if he's named on the bench – I still think he's going to see decent minutes regardless of whether he starts or if he's off the bench, but there is a bit of a query there, so I'm not too sure. Um, as I said, TPJ being out for three weeks, I think another three or four weeks or something, that will help his cause. Katoni Staggs was the hype of the first two rounds. I think he's the highest scoring player in the game. Busted out 121 in his last game, negative 37 break even. A guy I was super keen on, well, I'd locked him into my team before Round 1, then he lost the goal-kicking duties because Jack Bird went down and Asako came back. Mate, you're
0: you're very, very keen on Katoni Stags. Yeah, I, we've spoken about it before, but ever since Katoni debuted, I, I just think the guy's an absolute superstar. So I've always wanted him on my side, and I still am so devastated that I dropped him prior to Round 1 because he lost the kicking duties. But here we are. That's super coach. Look, I've been thinking about it. I I honestly think he's one of the better buyers initially as part of this five five trade week. And hear me out this is why. A, you get a potential keeper who could just do wonders. But the biggest thing is you bring him in, even if he scores 40 and then 40 in consecutive weeks, he's still going to make about $100,000 to $120,000. Now, if he goes better than that, I did some numbers thanks to nrlsupercoachstats.com. If he gets 85 and 60, for example, which is very, very doable for stags, especially the form he's in, he's going to make $200,000 in two weeks. Then it gives you the option to flip him for some easy cash, maybe to a, a fallen gun. You could keep him or, again, with the new trades and how many there are, you could even sell him at that price when he's peaked it in the 600s, mid-600s, and bring him back a couple of weeks later for 150 grand cheaper. Like he's he's not going to keep that price all year. So that way you've made like potentially $350,000 um, for someone who's a potential keeper. So for me, he's in my side, absolutely. I'm also so excited to have him in my side just because I love him. Um, but just combined with that cash and what he could make, I just think you have to get him in, and and see exactly what happens there and make a call moving forward. The worst case scenario, you make hundred k and move him on.
1: Yeah, you are. Uh, it's a compelling case. You quoted to me during the week. He is a must-have player on resumption.
0: Do you stick by that? Oh, absolutely. Get him in.
1: Yep. And uh, something that for probably not as experienced super coaches, they need to consider before we get these first initial price rises, is that the way your break even works, the number that they need to hit to go up in value, that's based on a three-round average. So based on the average of your last three scores, which obviously goes in tandem with whatever your price is. So guys who scored low in round one and then went big in round two, a.k.a. Tony Staggs, who scored his 121 in round two – that 121 will be in his rolling average for another week after this, whereas the first week of 50 or 60 or whatever score will drop out of it. So his break-even is going to be very low for a few more weeks. If it was the other way around, the 121 would drop out. His break-even would flatten out pretty quickly. So take a good look at that when you are doing your trades and considering the options. Mm-hmm. Anthony Milford started the year with a 63-point average. He's been pretty solid, looked good, uh, obviously a big beneficiary of the, the forward pack going forward and looking particularly good. Uh, he will be impacted by the the few blokes they do have out now. Um, you'd be pretty happy if you started with Milf?
0: Absolutely, you would. He's um he's playing some really good footy. He the biggest thing is he's running the ball again. He's really looking to take him on. Bit of front foot footy due to that four pack as you mentioned, which is huge. But when Tony Milford's running the ball, he that leads tackle busts, offloads, and obviously the more chance of tries. So he, you'd be stoked if you started with him. That's for sure.
1: You would, and he's another guy, he's a guy that falls into this category of guys that you can bring in for two weeks if they're playing, if the Broncos are playing the Titans and the Warriors or something like that a couple weeks in a row and flip him two weeks later. I mean, that's the way this year is looking. So uh, Jermaine yeah. Asako will be very popular on return, averaging 73, break-even negative 17, looks to have locked in the goal-kicking duties. I mean, Asako looks pretty hard to pass up, but he's in the exact same mould for mine as Katoni Stags in that... He's a guy that you're definitely going to make money with and decent money who could very well become a season-long keeper in a side that should score plenty
0: of points. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'm big on stat, uh, sorry, Asako. Um, I, I brought him in straight after round one, actually. I really liked him. Um, so he's already in my side, which is great, because that saves me the, the trade this time around. Um, I think he's a real good option. As you said, he'll make cash, he's goal-kicking, he's very involved, he looks pretty fit, so a pretty good option for mine. And I just want to quickly jump back to Milford. I I, I will want to add, though, the reason I'm wary of Milford is I still think he's got some big dud games in him. If he decides not to run too much one game, then he really could knock out a score of... 15 or 20. I mean, a lot of halves are like that, but just be wary that Milford isn't someone who may consistently go off, but his big scores could be there. But um, Milford, Osako, Stags, the whole Broncos team, to be honest, are all very good options. I think if, if you're right aside for the year, the Broncos could be one of them, potentially. Yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. Moving on to the South Sydney Rabbitohs, and we'll start at the number one, Latrell Mitchell. And the new news is today that... We believe, or it's been stated, that he will stick at fullback. There's a bit of chat that he might move to centre, particularly with James Roberts now looking like he'll miss the start of the season due to some off-field issues. Uh, Latrell, I mean, we don't need to spend much time on him, but averaging 20 points, break-even 160, so he's going to lose a heck of a lot of coin. He had four and six runs in his first two matches at fullback, which is, I mean, hell, I not understand how that happens. He's averaging 12 in base. Uh, I suppose the question here is, Yes or no, will Latrell Mitchell be in the top four centre wings
0: in two months' time? I think no. Um, Even looking at last season, he was in a red-hot rooster's side, admittedly at centre, and he averaged 70-odd. But if you take out the goal cooking last year, he only averaged mid-50s in, as I mentioned, a very good rooster's side. So the boy would have to start running the footy a lot more. And if he does and he gets fit, then he could be anything but I've, I'm not interested until he really puts a run of games together. I think he won't be at least two months.
1: I think he will be in two months' time, but boy, we're going to need to see a lot in the meantime. And um, I mean, I I got one wrong. Uh, I've got plenty wrong, but got one wrong at the start of the season. I did think that the fact that he lost the goal kicking duties was obviously going to impact his scoring. But I thought the move to fullback would mean he'd be running twelve to fifteen times a game, which it had almost balanced itself out. Throwing the tackle bus as well and any additional attacking stats. But four and six runs a
0: game, like, fair dinkum. Seriously. I will say on the trail that um, that isn't to say I'm writing him off. and I'm super excited to see him at fullback. But he's just got some work to do. And whether that can happen within the next two months, I'm just big question mark on that. Back end of the year, though, he could be sizzling.
1: Yeah. Braden Burns has been one of the flops of the opening two rounds. I started with him and he was a guy I was pretty confident, confident in because of his base stats we saw last year when he wasn't injured. Averaging 19 points, break even 101, so he's an obvious sell. I do think he'll come good, but uh, he's been impacted uh, impacted by Latrell struggling because Latrell in round two, I think it was, shifted out into the back line, played the 80, but shifted out into the back line at one point to have a bit of a breather, I think. Uh, Alex Johnson came on and went to fullback. So Braden Burns only played 59 minutes, and I know that's not a major impact when you're averaging only 19 anyway, but... Brayden
0: Burns is yeah, I mean the Latrello effect has impacted him as well. What do you reckon? Oh, absolute killer. He was on my first pick in the centers. He's got a huge base generally and I was I just thought he was a safe selection. He's had an absolute shocker. Last year I actually picked him up at a similar stage of the year and he did his Hemi about eight minutes into the game. So I'll have some weird sense of loyalty to Burns when maybe from a super coach perspective I should steer clear, but he's, he's up for me this week. He's gone.
1: Yeah, me too. And I do think he will bounce back and I think he can push into the elite centre wings by the, in a couple of months' time. But and with the break even, what we've seen so far, you can't have – although I will say one thing, he should stick to being an 80-minute player um, while James Roberts is out. And in the meantime, the trail should get his match fitness at fullback up enough that they don't need to be bringing on AJ at fullback. But anyway, we'll see how that goes. Cody Walker, pretty solid start to the year, averaging 57 points, break even 71. So should be there about shouldn't lose or make too much money. Another guy I think has been impacted by Luttrell at fullback because Luttrell's support plays in there You know, in the past where um, Cody Walker bust tackles, offloads, makes line breaks, and he's got an AJ or guys like that backing up. I just don't think he's had Luttrell there or even roaming, me into the back line. Um, is Cody Walker a guy you see competing with the likes of Anthony Milford, Cam Munster, Sean Johnson as a top two, 5'8"?
0: I absolutely do. Um, He's a serious pod, Cody Walker. As you mentioned, Latrell might have affected him a little bit, but hopefully they can forge a combination moving forward. I love Cody. I started with Munster, um, and I'll probably stick with Munster, uh, depending on the cash rises and whatnot, or cash falls, I should say. But, gee, I've got a close watch on Cody because he's a gun player and – I think he's definitely better than Milford. I wouldn't even put them in the same class, to be honest. Um, and SJ versus Walkers, an interesting one. But Siasse is still a pretty good side. If their forward pack can go well, then Cody's going to have a big season. But um, big question marks. He's always hard to pick, isn't he? Because he's, he's so flashy. He does brilliant stuff. He, he might do he might not do much for a while then just inject himself. So he'd be a little bit scary to own but also very fun to own. But I'll, he'll be right on my watch list for the opening few weeks of, of the competition, mate. Yeah, for sure. He's
1: a guy I'm always tempted by, and when I have owned him in the past, I've loved every minute of it. The fact that he doesn't have the goal-kicking base behind his scores, like SJ, um, Mitch Moses, Nathan Cleary, and the the likes of them guys, that's always a bit of a concern. But, I mean, he generally makes up for it in attacking stats anyway, so it shouldn't matter too much. Um, Don't need to spend too much time on Damian Cook because he's averaging 41 points, big disappointment to start the year, break-even of 134 which is within his reach because we know how big Damien Cook can go. Um, You started the year with him, but, I mean, if you own, you've just got to go down to Apicorosau and Blake Braley or potentially Harry Grant, don't you?
0: Uh, You just absolutely have to. I took a a punt on him to start the year. I actually really liked it early in the year. I thought he might start pretty hot. He always scores well, and he just decided not to for a week or two. So that was great for my side. But um, I actually got him out after week one. But if you still own him after two weeks with the impending cash drop, you just have to drop him down. There's so many good options at Hooker at the moment, especially Apicorosau and some other guys that can make some cash. But hopefully he'll be back to his best at some stage. But uh, I still think Smith might be a huge chance of – of rocking off this year this year for the best center, uh, best hooker, sorry.
1: Yeah, and the Rabidos back row, heaps of interest there. They are three quite highly owned players. So Jaden Sewer, who I was doing a, a bunnies squad analysis a couple of days ago and really pricked my interest and in, uh, averaging forty seven points. He's averaging I mean he played eighty and seventy minutes, so I expect him to be an eighty minute player going forward. Uh break even of negative one averaging 46 in base and has had no attacking stats yet. He's not an exciting supercoach player by any means, but when he's locked into 80 minutes they're playing that red-hot attacking bunny side, look, he's got to be worth consideration for round
0: three. I think if you're, if you're looking for someone to bring in in that position around that price, then Sue is definitely worth a look. I would advise, though, that he's not an... Notable attacking player in the past, so that base of mid 40s to maybe 50 might be about what you get. So I think, well, he's not a bad option. I think unless I started with him, I'd probably look elsewhere just for the upside. But look, as you said, he's going okay, and he won't let you down. You make some money and knock out some solid scores to get you going.
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit tempted, and I mean, Tommy Flagler will probably be the popular option in that price bracket in the forwards when when the comp starts up again, but. So, like, Sua, you know, you've locked in your 80 minutes. He's more, has more attacking potential than Tommy Flegler, especially if he moves to the bench. So I'm having a serious look at him, and he's a bit of a pod cheapie as well. So I think he's got 301K, um, not bad. Ken Murray's a guy I started the season with. He's been underwhelming in his move to the edge, but not terrible. He's averaging 48 points. His break-even's 101, which, again, it's pretty achievable for someone like him. The big thing for Cam Murray, and I think a lot of people will be selling, I'm holding, I do have a bit of a man crush on him, so full disclosure, is that he's averaging 70 minutes per game up from 59 minutes per game last season. So I think although his base is down playing on the edge, I think he'll jag additional stats there playing outside there and the attacking stats will come. He has no attacking stats yet playing outside Mm -hmm. Cody Walker Mate, you don't own Murray, but, I mean, what would you be saying
0: to owners? It's a bloody tough one because we all know what he can do, and he will do it. As the season goes on, there's no way that he doesn't go without attacking stats. Um, I guess the only question is, can you you cop the potential price drop? Um, he's one of those guys, for example, I own Munster, and he's, he's projected to drop a lot of coin, but the upside's there, and I picked him for a reason, so... You just have to make a decision of whether you think his best form is going to be almost immediately or if you think it's a month down the track. That's really the big one. Uh, If you think it's a month down the track, you could sell him and and look to get him back later. But if you think he's ready to tear up, then hold on and enjoy the hopeful benefits.
1: Yeah, and and I mean I can't begrudge anyone who wants to trade in this round. I mean looking at the stats we've seen so far, um, the trade makes sense. But I can just see him coming back. And jagging, a couple of tries and a couple of line breaks in round three, busting out a ton and actually making money and people just sitting there going, I had this bloke in my team. I picked him for a reason. That's the, the path I'm going down anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how he does go. Um, Liam Knight is another one who – the writing was on the wall for Liam Knight when we were given five trades for round three because if there was two trades, you'd probably say, all right, he's shown enough. He'll still make a little bit of coin, could get more minutes that you may hold on to him. But – I mean, he's averaging 51, break even of 32, averaging 46 minutes per game, which is what's been the letdown with him. We thought he might be 55, 60 minutes per game, up from about 40 minutes last year, but I mean, he hasn't got it thus far. Um, it's been shared between a couple of other forwards. Uh, do you own Liam Knight, and are you selling?
0: Yeah, look, I started with him. I'm a little bit more positive than you. Um, I've locked in my tentative five trades already, um, and it didn't include Liam Knight, so I'm holding him as it stands. I'll obviously reassess as things get closer. But I guess the fact that he can make your money and he's still going to knock out decent scores for you as a starting front rower means that I can hold on to him and look to tink with some other areas. Um, But in saying that, if you wanted to get rid of him, that's fine. Um, and who knows, I might end up doing it myself once I play around a bit more, but I think he's got a little bit to offer, and if his minutes did happen to improve a little bit more, then, then you're laughing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I'll be selling, but again, same thing, I wouldn't grudge anyone holding. It's, he's ticking along okay. Um, he is offloading a little bit in the first few rounds, so that's a big thing as well if you can keep that up. Moving on to the Penrith Panthers, who, again, are another very interesting team. The four teams you've got tonight have so many supercats relevant players, and I have not... Planned it well, putting them all together, because we'll be here all night. <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, one guy who has peaked my inches big time is Josh Mansor, 416k. I almost started with him, but to be fair, I don't think the risk was worth taking. <clears throat> Averaging 72 points per game. Break-even negative 16. He has a base of 39 per game in the first two rounds, which is just a behemoth for an outside back. It's the Mansor of old when he was a lock into your centre wing maybe three, four years ago when he had this massive workload, um, struggled with a few things injury-wise in in recent years, and that's dropped down. But enormous base, first two rounds, he had 18 and 21 runs. He still hasn't scored a try, but he does have two try assists. I'm looking hard at Mansour for round three. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, look, he's he's started on fire, hasn't he? The old Mansour of old. Um, It just depends on what I'm going to prioritise. I'm already bringing in... As I as I and uh, stags in my centres, so do I want to make another trade to bring in Mansell, possibly. Um, but again, it just depends what I want to do with the rest of my side. But anyone who wants to grab him, then. Have a crap because, as you said, serious base. He's going to make you some money and even if he happens to go back to the field a bit, he can, you can can trade him in a few weeks. So I'll be having a really good look at him closer to closer proceedings um, and see if I want to take the punt. Injury history in the last few years worrying me a little bit and potentially the fact that he may not score a heap of tries. I'm just thinking our Penrith Attack. I'm just not convinced he's going to score a heat this year, but with that base, does it really matter? So it's a big question mark for me. I'm unsure at this stage what I'll do, but G's going well, isn't he? He's red hot early. Yeah, after struggling for centre wing
1: options for round one, we've now got guys like Mansour, Staggs, Asako, a fair few decent mid-range buyers looking pretty good. So, I mean, you can't have them all. Well, I mean, at the moment we've got five trades. We probably can if you really want to, but um, (laughs) – Jerome Luai, again, don't need to spend too much time on him. Pretty well ticking the boxes, though, averaging 46, break even negative 13, 23 base per game, which isn't bad for him. Uh, I assume with Nathan Cleary missing two weeks, I haven't thought this through too much, but Luai will be k-
0: taking up the goal kicking? Hope so, and I hope they win 36-0 and he scores a hat trick That would be brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah. he, um, he I'm, I don't think I'll be playing him in my 17, but tell you what, Matty Burden, who, who's a bit more of an organizer, like Cleary, he'll suit I well, and I, and he his attacking stats will increase, his involvement will increase big time. So he might not be a bad play in 17 when for round three.
0: Yeah, I'll probably my fourth as well looks a little weak at the moment. It might be someone like Braley. So if they have have a side that isn't Melbourne or someone like that, then I'm probably every chance to play him without Cleary. I'd suggest.
1: Yeah, well, off the top of my head, I do think he'll be kicking goals. So that's massive for him.
0: Um, yeah, if he is, that, that's good news, if he is.
1: Yeah, Nathan Cleary, ugh, this hurts. I own him, you don't. Averaging 87 points, break-even of 19, um, on fire, went and danced <laughs> up the storm with a bunch of good sorts on TikTok. <laughs> Who can blame the bloke? Well, I can because I own him and now he's not
0: playing for me. But well, you don't own him. Would you be selling? Obviously, I haven't looked into into the options as much as you because I don't own him. But to be honest, unless you've got other areas you need to sort out, then I probably would sell him for a couple of weeks. Jump down to someone like Dylan Brown or Scotty Drinkwater, make a heap of cash, and then bring him back in.
1: Yeah, look, I think the case is pretty strong to sell him again. He's, he's another guy who, yeah, in an ordinary year, no way would you sell after being only out for two weeks. But I think it's a chance to do it um, and bring him back in in three weeks' time. Uh, Appy Coruscant. Going nuts. You don't need to spend much time on him because he's averaging 87 points, break even negative 70. He's going to make a stack of money. Playing 80 minutes per game, which is a big factor, 57 points in base. He is just hes <clears throat> nuts. Um, I mean, he's just – you have to have him in your team, don't you? 100%.
0: No brainer. In.
1: Yeah. Isaiah Yo is a guy that I was death-riding a little bit because I don't think he's going to be the buy that is – cracked up to be but again i think that with five trades available his availability at center wing and second row negative 32 break even averaging 78 points look you sort of just have to make the move because like stags he could easily become a keeper if he maintains his minutes
0: Um, worst case scenario you make a stack of money You have to buy him because, as you said, in the sense, volatile position, if he keeps that 80 minute roll and keeps knocking out good scores around the sixty odd, then all of a sudden you're going to be it's going to be someone you have to buy in a few weeks and it'll be 150k more expensive. So get him in now, make the money, and then reassess in a few weeks if he's a keeper or not.
1: Yeah, it, it annoys me a bit because I, I just see I just say Kurt uh, Kurt Capel's coming back. You know, he is a weapon himself. He'll come in, big minutes. We've got Viliami kick out there. We've got, we've got James Fisher-Harris there, uh, Liam Martin. They're just stacked with back rollers at that club. Um, something's got to give. And I just don't know if there's 80 minutes there for Yo. Mm. And also, I just don't think he's that good a super coach player. But if he does somehow maintain his 80 minutes, which it, it's, pro- it's possible, uh, you've got to have him. So I think probably just get Yo in. Um, on James Fisher-Harris, he's been a really interesting one because round one, wasn't expected to play from off-season surgery or injury or something. Scored 75 points in 80 minutes with 63 in base, and he's thinking this bloke's just an animal as per last year. Round two, 41 points in 59 minutes, a weird little regression there. Uh, thoughts?
0: I'm a big fan of Fisher Harris, uh, but he has to be playing 80 minutes. It's very hard to bring someone in after he played 50 nine minutes the previous game. That may well have been just to bring him back from injury, ease him in a little bit, but he's just a classic wait-and-see kind of bloke. See if his minutes are up and you can get him in if you want him after that. Yeah, for sure.
1: On to the Sharks, we were just having mass changes as well um, because of a few things that have happened. Well, basically, they had injuries who are now due back because they've had an extra two-month spell. But Bronson Sherry, extremely exciting prospect, will come in for Josh Morris, who's joined the Roosters. Uh Maddie Moylan. I've seen mixed reports on Moylan. I've seen a little bit that'd be back for round three. I've seen some that are saying his hamstrings playing up again, which would be the least surprising thing in the world. But I am probably tipping that Moylan comes back for Will Kennedy, which is huge for Supercoach because Kennedy is set to make a stack of coin. Uh Josh Dugan will come in likely for Katoa on the wing. But there's also the potential that if Moylan doesn't come back, Dugan could return at fullback. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Uh, I'd I'd suggest that Tom comes back on the wing regardless. Um, I mean, the big ones there are effectively Will Kennedy, if he plays, he's going to make money, happy days. I wouldn't be buying with these guys due back, but – would you sell Will Kennedy this week if Matt Moylan returns? Because the only way Kennedy gets back in there is if Moylan
0: gets injured. Yeah, which he probably would be fair. But with five trades, um, yeah, I think you probably need to move him on.
1: Yeah. And Bronson Sherry, he, he attempted – I know we get a free look at him because he hasn't played yet and you get two weeks before he would get his price rise or fall.
0: He attempted at Sherry as a pod. He's right up at the top of my watch list. Um, there's no way I'd bring, bring him in for round three um, on the back of no no games and coming off an injury, but he's an excitement machine. He was so good last year, and hopefully his hands have improved a little bit this year. He did bomb a few tries last year, but he'll be he'll be someone I watch very, very closely in the opening week or two to see if I want to bring him in because he's such a talent. and. He scores, scores tries for fun, so hopefully he can build on last year and enter the Spires' t- side and take me home.
1: Yeah, I'm tipping Sherry to be top four center wings by the end of the year as far as average comes. Uh, John Morris singled him out when asked about who's been the best ones to return from this break physically, and he said, Sherry looks amazing. Um if he'd come back from a suspension that he'd miss games for, I'd nearly take the flyer on him. I wanted to start with him in round one, but because it's injury and we get the free look at him, there's all these guys with the negative break even. Uh, it just seems like a silly idea at the moment. Jesse Ramian is a guy mm. I started with averaging 38 points. It looks bad on the surface, but he's averaging 34 in base. This is a guy not notoriously strong in base stats, but he's had something like 16 and 18 runs per game. Has had no major attacking stats really just yet. Um, I'm, I'm semi happy with what I've seen for Ramian, and I think playing outside SJ, I think the attacking stats will come. Do you own?
0: Yeah, I own him. I bought him in for Stags when Stags lost the goal kicking the day before season kickoff, kick and he's been heavily involved. Um, my concern at the moment is just around his try scoring. If I'm going to have a little bit more of a look into this before season kickoff, but Sean Johnson often runs himself, goes short to the back rower, or throws the big cut ball to the winger. So I'm just a little concerned that maybe Ramian will miss out a little bit on those holes opening up. So, look, there's there's no panic. and. He's going fine, but if he can't show some try-scoring prowess, I'll be looking to move on to someone with maybe a bit more upside like Masters or, in particular, one of the guys I want to look at is Mike Acevo or, as we mentioned, Bronson Cherry when fit because they can probably just score more tries than him and the upside might be higher. So I'm really torn on Ramian. I own him. I'm happy with his work rate, but I just don't know if he's a long-term keeper at this stage. But hold for now. Yeah.
1: Fair shout. i'll be holding for sure um the man playing inside him sj 95 in round one came out of the blocks flying 28 in round two i wasn't too concerned about the 28 we speak just about every week about the defensive powerhouse that melbourne are in super coach and in the actual nrl um so 28 against them for a half didn't concern me too much in a, a grinding affair uh break even at 55 so it might make a little bit of coin but nothing substantial Matty Moylan back is only going to help
0: SJ, I think. Uh, What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, we've spoken about him in depth in the pre-season, and obviously everyone probably knows right now he's he's my boy. He's my favourite player, but I'm just a little bit concerned about injuries in the past and just his body getting a little bit older, which means he's not likely to run the ball as much. Uh, but in saying that, he's got plenty of good footy left in him, hopefully. So he's just someone I'm going to watch closely. At the moment, I've certainly got Munster ahead of him and Cleary and these guys. But if he can show any semblance of form, I'd certainly love to have him back as a part of the Spires unit.
1: Yeah, I, I actually don't hate the idea, if, you, if you're a non-owner, of going Cleary to SJ this week and take two weeks. And this is all pretty match-up dependent as well. You'd like to see when the draw does become available, if the Sharks played uh, some easier opposition I don't mind that as a, a two-week trade-off and then if SJ keeps going well you can keep, switch him to five-eight, and then bring Cleary back in at half back for someone else anyway just food for thought uh, Blake Braley don't need to look too much at him but he's basically done as expected averaging 42 points break even negative 22 so big money to be made there the big factor is that he's playing 80 minutes per game so look hold on to Braley Watch him make some decent coin for you, and then in two weeks he'll be a straight swap for Harry Grant. Just about everyone in the game will be doing that, provided Grant starts and plays big minutes at the Tigers, which looks very likely. Uh, Andrew Fafita, the the entire Canala forward pack is really interesting on resumption because it's interesting to see what John Morris is going to do with them. You've got guys like Jack Williams at Lock, who will be a popular sell. Billy Magulius, who's played just the one week but scored 60-odd points with a try, Toby Rudolph, who's averaging 40 points, 36 minutes a game and has a negative 27 break even. Um, Anything could happen here and there's going to be massive ramifications because, I mean, there's a chance Magulius starts over Rudolph on the bench and people don't
0: get their price rise on Rudolph. Uh, What do you see happening? Oh, mate, it's massive. this the whole short, short, Sharks pack, as you mentioned. Um, Magulius and Rudolph are the big two, as you mentioned. Magulius, a very talented guy, steps up in the big moments, as we saw last year in the New South Wales Cup finals. Um, but then you've got Rudolph, who's just been punching out really nice numbers for a broad price rookie so far in the season. I'd love to bring Rudolph in to make some serious coin and then moving on, but it all just depends on the pack, mate. Um, they didn't probably play... Jack Williams didn't have a great game last time out, um, but he's got a lot better footy in, him, footy in him than that, and Johnny Morris will know that. Does he think Magulius is going to be a better option? I don't know. Um, it's going to be a really interesting watch come the first team with Tuesday coming back, mate.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, uh, Britton Acora was injured in round one, didn't play round two, so Scotty Sorensen came off the bench and played in the second row. I believe – this is off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure Sorensen was on the bench in round one, and then in round two they might have had three forwards in their rotation, uh, middle forwards. So if Morris shifts Sorensen back to the bench with two other middle forwards and, you know, there might be a utility there, I'm, I'm not sure how you go about it. That would be massive for – I mean, Jack Williams, for Toby Rudolph should he keep his place. But if he doesn't pick Sorensen and goes with McGoolies, who's pretty versatile, and Rudolph – big ramifications for all of them so we'll have a look at them and see what that team produces at kickoff anyway in round three that is it for tonight spy you've been good mate uh, I'll just quickly jump into a few upcoming articles we're going ham on scplaybook.com.au over okay. the next couple of weeks before the season starts um walson and des last year's runner-up and winner they'll be doing things like their their five trades leading into the season we've got a Cheapy Watch coming through. We'll rank the top 15 to 20 cheapies for you. Uh, So jump on and have a look at that. Spy, mate, thanks for that.
0: Thanks, Matty. I'm absolutely pumped. We're nearly back. We're almost there. All right, cheers, guys.